0: Amen, amen. Well, if you have a copy of God's word, I'd invite you to open it with me to Luke's gospel and we will be in chapter 11, Luke 11. Y'all look, it's dark out there. We, what's, what's going on? Let's get our house lights up. I gotta see you guys. Y'all, looks like so many of you are here. I'm glad to have you here with us today. You look good. You look good. You're in the dark there for a second. You gotta be able to see your Bibles, you know what I'm saying? So uh, open them to Luke 11. While you're turning there, let me just real quickly uh, ask you guys to be mindful of what's coming up in two weeks. We will start uh, December, which is for us, membership renewal month, okay? Uh, So here's what that means. We practice what we call active church membership, meaning that when you uh, come, and become a member of this body and say, hey, I want to identify with this local expression of the church. We commit together to be God's people living for his glory, yet every single December we renew that commitment to be part of the family of God. So it's not like you just come and fill out a card and then forever and ever and ever you are a member, but instead every year we recommit to the work that God is doing here at Crossroad Church. So the reason I tell you that is because you will, if you are a member right now, you'll be getting something in the mail with a membership renewal card, every single Sunday during December you will have in your bulletin a membership renewal card. You won't be able to miss this is happening. It's not something we're trying to pull a slick one and get some of our membership numbers down because that's what churches do, right? Uh, but instead... <laughs> We just want to make sure that we have everybody who God has called to be a part of this church remembering and making that commitment, and joining in that together. So I'm excited about membership renewal. It really is a sweet time for us. It's, it's not just a procedural thing. It's a, a time for us to say, hey, this is what God has called us to do. This is why we're here. This is what we're all about. So I'm pumped about that, and I hope that you are too. So Luke 11 is where we're at. We're talking about prayer today, and uh, as we talk about prayer, we're going to kind of get pretty serious and pretty deep today, I'll just tell you this. Last week, we talked about something that was pretty personal and pretty intense. In fact, last week, we were talking about uh, how we wanna depend on Jesus for everything that we have. So we were talking about the daily provision that he gives us, not only praying and asking God for the things we need, but also asking God to help us use what he gives us wisely. That's what we have prayed and asked the Lord to help us do, And, and I'll just say, it was one of those messages where where everyone's kind of, you know, smiling, laughing, having a good time, listening, and saying, this is a good sermon, until it started getting real personal, and it got, like, awkwardly quiet in here. Uh, And if you were here for it, you know what I'm talking about, and if you weren't here, uh, it was pretty awkward. All that to say, I think today is even more awkward and personal. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Because again, let me just remind you, when God gets personal, it's actually a good thing for us, because God is leading, guiding, and directing us through everything that uh, is happening in our lives. So uh, with all of that said, we are going to dive into this prayer, and I think this is really an important part of the prayer for us to be thinking of, today in particular, because we're coming into a season where I know that some of you are going to be encountering some family and friends, we have Thanksgiving coming up, and then Christmas, and all of that. And this can be a season of joy, hope, excitement, and fun for a lot of people, but for many of you, it also brings some kind of awkward interactions where you see people who have hurt you in the past, or maybe you're just around things that, that brings back to your mind some hurts and hang-ups from your past. Well, what I want to tell you today is that there's good news. The Bible actually, Jesus himself invites us to pray and ask for his help in the way that we relate to people. Does anybody have some people problems in here, right? And, and listen, if you're like the one person who's like, I don't have any people problems, you might be the people problem for other people, okay? The, the truth is, it's just tough. And, and even in the church, the reality is we're all people and we all have people problems and sometimes we're the people problem. As the old preacher said, to dwell above with saints we love will be such grace and glory to dwell below with saints we know that's a different story some of you experience that but the good news is that's that's a classic preacher bit you're welcome i pulled that one out today all right so Uh, What we're going to do is what we've done every single week. We're going to read this prayer together and then pray and ask God to understand what he has for us. In full disclosure, we're actually going to jump to another passage and look a little deeper at this issue of forgiveness. So we'll start here, though. So let's look at Luke 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, "'Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples.'" And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, as we've prayed every week, we pray again. Teach us to pray. And as we look at what is really an intensely personal message today, God, I just pray that you would help us because I know even right now as we think about what it means to be forgiven and to forgive that that we're thinking of hurts, we're thinking of people in our life who have wounded us. And Lord, I just ask for your mercy and grace to help us see your truth despite all of that, that we would know and understand your heart for us today. We love you and we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray, amen. So Jesus says, And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven everyone who is indebted to us. Everyone. Uh, This seems pretty intense, right? Pretty blunt, pretty direct, pretty all-encompassing. If you think this sounds difficult, the reality is if you go back and look at what Jesus said in Matthew 6, while talking about prayer, it's even more difficult because there he said, uh, Forgive us as we have forgiven others. Augustine, the church father, said that is a terrible prayer. Why did he call that a terrible prayer? Because here's what we're basically praying. God, forgive me like I forgive other people. Any of you ready to pray that prayer today? (laughs) That's crazy, isn't it? But this is the call. And what I want us to see and understand from the very beginning of this message today is that forgiveness is not optional for Christ followers. Forgiveness is not optional for followers of Jesus. And just like we prayed a moment ago, I'm aware that even as we're walking into this and getting started, that some of you are already thinking today about people in your life who have hurt you, people who have wounded you. And some of you are thinking, I don't want to hear this message again. Like I've heard messages about forgiveness, and uh, you know what? I left with more bitterness in my heart than when I got there. And some of you showed up happy, and now I'm talking about forgiveness, and you're thinking about bad things, and you're like, that ain't why I came to church today. What are you doing, Rusty? But here's the reality. I believe that today Jesus wants to do a work in this place. I want to ask you today to have an open heart to what God is going to share through his word. When we see that forgiveness is not only possible, but forgiveness is actually a great blessing, I believe that it's going to do wonders in our lives. One of the reasons I think we struggle to forgive others stems from not understanding the blessing of being forgiven ourselves. You'll notice very quickly in Jesus's prayer here in verse four, the order of this prayer. First, the request is that God would forgive us our sins. That God would forgive us our sins. This is a twofold prayer. First of all, when we pray God forgive us our sins, we are praying for salvation. Did you know that you have a debt that cannot be paid apart from Jesus Christ? The Bible says every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of our sin, we have a debt that cannot be paid. So when we pray, God, forgive us our sins, we are saying, bring us salvation. But not only are we praying for salvation, the reality is for Christ followers who are already saved, we still have this flesh, don't we? Some of you know, like maybe you just recently got saved or you can even remember to when you gave your life to Christ that you were like, this is awesome, I'm following Jesus now. And then like three days later, you stepped in it big time, right? And it's like, what is going on? Like I'm trying to follow Jesus, I'm trying to do everything right, yet I'm still struggling. For us, when we pray, forgive us our sins, it is a constant reminder that we have to depend on Jesus as we walk with him and as we seek to walk in obedience to his commands. But this is where we're used to this part a little bit, but when it gets to this next part is when it gets tricky for us. Because after talking about forgiving, after we pray, forgive us our sins, Jesus instructs us to pray so that we can forgive others. Friends, Jesus didn't leave a lot of wiggle room here, did he? He said, everyone. You know, in the original Greek, if you dig into the ancient language of the New Testament, that word everyone means everyone. Some of you were hoping I was about to get you out of that, right? Right? everyone except your in-laws. I'm like, whoa, whoa, easy, all right? Couples are looking at each other. This isn't good, all right? No, there's no exclusion here. It says everyone, that we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Unless you think, hey, this is just one line from one passage, Rusty. There's a lot of, I know there's a lot of stuff about justice in the Bible. You talk about that a lot. So this is just one verse. This theme of radical, outrageous, crazy forgiveness is echoed throughout all of Scripture. We're going to look at that together today. In fact, we're going to look at one passage, perhaps the most thorough treatment of forgiveness in all of God's Word in Matthew 18. So if you still have your Bibles open, turn back with me to Matthew 18. You're getting a two for today. Are you excited? Two passages. It only means it's about three times as long as it normally is. So y'all just hang on. That was like no laughter, because it's like, <laughs> he means it. <laughs> Okay, if I'd done that in the first service, I actually did threaten the first service. I said, people are going to start getting here for second service. That's fine. Just just tell them to come on in, open their Bibles. Uh, So no, we're not going to be here too long. But uh, this is, I'll just tell you what I told the first service. You'll notice me staying pretty close to home today. I want to try not to be wandering around too much because I want to stay close to these notes because we do have a lot of content. And I believe that God wants us to hear this today. And I also want to be home because the Cowboys kick off at noon. What? Uh, did I say that out loud? Sometimes the stream of consciousness just, all right, let's look at Matthew 18. Are y'all there? Here's what's happening. We're going to start in verse 21. Jesus is in the midst of a real serious conversation about what happens when the people of God get together. It talks about church discipline. We don't like that phrase, do we? But the idea is that, guess what? When church, now this is going to be really hard for some of y'all to understand, but did you know that when church people get together, sometimes conflict happens Yeah, I know that's shocking and appalling, but here's what we say, right? Where else in Wichita today is a group of people like this hanging out together? just be honest, right? Like, this is a pretty random group of people. Congratulations, I just called you random. If you want to email me and say, why'd you do that? You're random, all right? This is a random group of people. You're not going to find this group hanging out anywhere else, and when you bring people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, and you drop us all in there together, lo and behold, occasionally conflict is going to spring up out of that, right? So Jesus is talking to them about how you handle that and how you handle the people problems in your life. And then he talks specifically about forgiveness, starting here in verse 21, Matthew 18. Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, Jesus says in verse 35, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart this is serious, isn't it? I love Peter's question because Peter's a lot like us here in this moment. Peter, in the context of conversations about how to deal with difficult people, Peter interjects this question and says, so how many times do I really have to forgive my brother or sister? Basically what he is saying is what many of you probably are already thinking as I'm preaching this message. Okay, yeah, this forgiveness talk is good, but where do you draw the line? You gotta draw the line somewhere. Enough has to be enough. Peter throws out a number. He goes, like, seven times? And I'm sure Peter felt pretty good about that number because Jewish tradition said that if someone sins against you, you can forgive them up to three times. So he's going more than double what a tradition, religious tradition, says you should do. He probably felt great about it. And when he asked Jesus that, what's Jesus say? 77 times. Some translations in the other gospel accounts say seven times, 70 times. Listen, don't get hung up on a number. Jesus isn't trying to give you a forgiveness formula here. Instead, he's saying Christ followers should be defined by a radical life-giving forgiveness. It should be one of the defining characteristics about our life. This outrageous, ridiculous, crazy forgiveness should be a way of life for us. Those of us who have been forgiven much should be quick to dish out that forgiveness. But it's at this point in the message that some of you, just like Peter, are thinking, well, what about my situation? Jesus, uh, you just don't understand. You know, I've got this situation in my life. This has happened to me. I've got these hurts. I've got these hang-ups. But before we can even start trying to insert caveats and questions into this, Jesus tells this really crazy story. He shares about a king who began collecting debts, There was a man who owed him 10,000 talents, so uh, best shots at putting this into today's number is somewhere around $7 with a B. That's a lot of money. In fact, you know how much money that is? It is an unpayable debt. He will never, a servant will never be able to pay that much money in his entire life. Jesus threw out a ridiculous amount on purpose there. It's an insane amount of money that he would never be able to pay back. And he says, pay me now. And the guy says, I can't pay. And he says, I'm going to throw, I'm going to sell you and your family and your kids and everybody. And he goes, no, 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 have patience with me. And the Bible says in that moment, in this parable, Jesus said that the king released the debt. Could you imagine that? Like, I'll be honest with you. You can't imagine that. That's crazy. I remember when I was in college, my uh, my parents freed me from like a few hundred dollars debt, and I cried like a baby. It was the most amazing thing that ever happened in my life. So I know that I can't fathom seven billion ish dollars. That's a lot of money, an unfathomable debt that was paid. This is where the story takes a pretty interesting twist, though. So this forgiven servant goes out and immediately finds somebody who owes him a hundred denarii. Is that the right amount? Yeah. This isn't a small amount of money. It's probably in today's dollars like 10,000-ish dollars. That's not a little bit of money, but it's a little bit of money compared to what he had had forgiven, right? And Jesus said that he literally choked this man and said, Pay me my money. He drops him and he says, I'll pay you. I don't have it now, but I'll pay. I'll work and I'll pay it. Be be patient. It says that the forgiven servant became the unforgiving servant because he said, No, go to jail until you can pay it all. The forgiven servant was blind to his hypocrisy, but eventually, news of this got back to the king. And the once forgiven servant, the master had him locked up until he could pay his debt. What did I just say about the debt earlier? Unpayable. So essentially, he is locked up for the rest of his life in this story. The application comes very clearly. Jesus does the job of a preacher extraordinarily well. In verse 35, my heavenly father will do the same to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Friends, this is serious, isn't it? Forgiveness is not optional for Christ followers. It's a command. But this is why we need some help. And I'm convinced that that's why Jesus has this in the Lord's Prayer. The two times that Jesus gives us direct instructions on prayer, in both of those times, he intentionally brings up this issue of forgiveness our need to be forgiveness and our need to be forgiven and our need to share forgiveness with others the truth is the only way we can be a forgiving person is with the help of Jesus until he helps us be aware of and fully receive the forgiveness that comes through him we will not be able to properly interact with the people that we come into contact with you see this is something critical i want you to hear today Forgiveness is not an issue in life. Forgiveness is actually a lifestyle. Forgiveness is not just an issue that some of us need to deal with. Some of you are like, I'm glad he's talking about that today because my neighbor really needs to think about it. Like you're looking at him like, this sermon's for you, sweetie. Like don't do that, all right? The reality is forgiveness should be a lifestyle for every single Christ follower. Forgiveness is the default. It's the setting of the Christian life. A forgiven heart is a forgiving heart. And Jesus wants to work that in us, so he says, pray and ask for my help. My prayer is that we would live a life of forgiveness so that we can experience the freedom that comes with it. Theologian Lewis Meads writes this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. I'm praying today that chains of bitterness, guilt, shame, regret will be broken today. That people all around this room will experience the freedom that comes with forgiveness. But all this is possible only with the help of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I want us to see today, that the gospel is what helps us understand, receive, and give forgiveness. How does the gospel do that? I'm glad you asked. You're asking wonderful questions this morning. First, the gospel frees us to be forgiven. The gospel frees us to be forgiven. This is huge. And again, I think when we think and talk about forgiveness, most of the time we immediately jump to people who have hurt us or wronged us or the people that we have hurt and we have wronged. So we just immediately dive into this and start thinking about that level of it. But you'll notice again the order of Jesus' prayer. If we're going to understand forgiveness, it starts with understanding the forgiveness we have received through Christ. The primary reason we struggle with forgiving others is that we struggle with receiving forgiveness ourselves. This manifests itself, I think, in a couple of ways. For some people, they receive the forgiveness of Christ, yet they walk around with guilt and shame because of the forgiveness they had to receive, And they feel a real brokenness for the fact that they had to be forgiven by Christ. They're aware of that weight of their sin, and there's a a brokenness there. So when somebody sins against you, if you're in that situation, when someone sins against you, you can just not understand why they're not broken over being a jerk. Why are they not broken over sinning against me? Like my sin messes me up so bad, why aren't they responding like me? Yet on the other side of the pendulum, I think there are a lot of people who receive the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus, and they just go on continuing in life like nothing's really changed, continuing forward in their sin. And those people, when somebody sins against them, I think the automatic response from them tends to be something like, I can't believe you would sin in that way. Why? Because if you're over here in this category, you kind of feel like Jesus got a deal when he forgave you. Like, it took a lot to forgive that person, but you know what? I was pretty good. Like, Jesus got me off the half-off rack, okay? I mean, I had some stuff in my life, but not as bad a stuff as my neighbor over here. So when someone sins against us, we're shocked and appalled that such sin would even exist. I don't know where you live. Can I just tell you that I kind of play both sides of that in my life? And, and it's like the pendulum that swings back and forth. But ultimately, at the end of the day, both of these can be dangerous for us. We don't even realize that we are blinded the same way that this unforgiving servant was. He didn't even realize the extent of his hypocrisy. Here he is shaking a guy down for 10 grand when he just walked away from a $7 billion debt. So a couple things need to happen here for us today. The gospel frees us to be forgiven. We need to understand, if we're gonna understand that forgiveness, we first have to understand the weight of our sin. The weight of our sin. I'm talking about your sin. Your sin. Can I just tell you, that's not a popular conversation today. Even today in gospel presentations, you'll hear people, they don't even wanna address people's personal sin. Like, we live in a world of brokenness. Yeah, the world is broken. You know why the world's broken? Because you're a sinner and I'm a sinner. If you're visiting today, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, stop, by the, stop by the visitor center. We have a mug that says sinner on it. And we're just going to give it to you. <clears throat> but, but here's why I tell you that. We've got to understand that we're talking about our sin, not your neighbor's sin, not your friend's sin, not your spouse's sin, not other people's sin, but your sin led Jesus to Calvary. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. As the modern hymn says, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. Do you feel the weight of that this morning? Jesus didn't get a bargain when he saved your soul. It doesn't matter how good you think you were. Your sin debt cost Jesus his very life. The penalty of your sins was paid by Jesus. He absorbed the wrath of Almighty God on your behalf This is an enormous debt, just like the the debt that the unforgiven servant had. It was such a huge debt that it never could have been paid. Your good works couldn't have paid it off. You can't come to church enough to pay that debt off. Nothing you do could possibly pay off this debt, but Jesus paid it all. It was our sin that led Jesus to the cross. Do you feel the weight of your sins today? But not only do we need to feel the weight of our sins, it's important that we also rest in the completed work of Christ. Now, some of you, before we got to this point, you're just like, oh, so it's that kind of church. They're just going to call us sinners and just be, listen, you can't understand the beauty of the love of God until you understand that you were a sinner until he got a hold of your life. But when you realize that as the Bible says, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. What kind of love is this? That even when we were sinners, Jesus died for us. We need to know the weight of our sin, but we need to also rest in the completed work of Christ. There's a tension here that we've got to hold together. We can never lose sight of the weight of our sin and the price that was paid on the cross. But we also have to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, he took our sin, our guilt, and our shame with him. It is gone. The Bible says it has been cast as far as the east is from the west. And I'm not a geography guy, but I'm just pretty sure that's infinity, okay? It is gone. It is removed all the way away. You are forgiven. We've got to remember these two truths. You're forgiven. Do you believe this today? Have you experienced this freedom in your life? Some of you are looking at me like, why is he doing a gospel presentation? I'm a Christian already. Because if you struggle with forgiveness, you don't get this yet. You don't get this yet. Can I just tell you something? The problems in our lives, the so-called problems are put in perspective when we understand that we had an unsolvable problem in our life. Did you know you had a debt that could not be paid and you were heading directly towards an eternity in hell separated from the God who loves you? but that God loved you enough that he sent Jesus to snatch you up and save you. When you know that, friends, can I just tell you something? Your problems aren't problems anymore. And I'm not just talking about the first world problems. We got those, right? Like on the way to work, you spill coffee in your car, and it's like, Lord, I thought you loved me, you know? Some of you had that day, right? It's always like drama level 11 with me if something like that happens on the way to work. Just like, you know, it's just not going to be good. But what about cancer? What about the big things? What about people in your life who you know who God has, they've learned, hey, they've got cancer and they've told me, hey, it's all right, I'm gonna be with the Lord. I just, those kind of situations come up and I'm like, I don't get that, that seems crazy to me, but you know what, you read the Bible, do you remember Paul, the guy in the Bible who said, yeah, they might kill me, but to live is Christ and to die would be better. You know what? He had had the real problem, the ultimate problem of humanity solved in his life by Jesus' work on the cross. So you know what? Nothing could happen that would mess him up. So listen, I'm not here to say that, that your problems aren't really problems, that you just need to suck it up, buttercup. That's not what this is about, okay? I know that some of you are walking through difficult things and you're going through hard things in your life right now. But what I want to tell you is that you have hope today because the debt has been paid. The debt has been paid. Jesus paid it all. And that ought to move us today. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite verses in any song comes from the song, It Is Well With My Soul. I'm under the weather, so I'm not going to sing for you today, but you can pick this up on the Pastor Rusty's greatest hit CD at the bookstore on your way out. (laughs) That's a joke. If you are new here, there is no bookstore and there is no CD. Some of you should rejoice in that. This verse says, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Does that move you today to think that not just a little bit of your sin, but all of the worst of you, God looks it directly in the face of the evil that is within us, and he says, you know what? I took that to the cross, and you don't have that anymore. That's the good news of the gospel. You are free to be forgiven. We've got to understand this vertical forgiveness before we can even really start thinking about horizontal forgiveness and how we relate to each other. Y'all doing okay this morning? I thought I was going to lose my voice, so I guess I responded by yelling in this service. I don't even know what's going on right now. I just, it's just, you start talking about the gospel. It's just so good. You realize that you're forgiven, that that nothing you do is going to make Jesus love you more than he loves you right now. Don't you just need to know that? Like I'm talking to you, you with all the crud in your life still, you that are still struggling, you that still feel like you're not enough. If you are in Christ today, nothing you do can make him love you more than he loves you right now this minute. That's the power of the gospel. That's what forgiveness feels like. Not only does the gospel free us to be forgiven, the good news today is that the gospel frees us to forgive others. When we face the weight of our sin, when we see the debt that's been paid, it frees us to forgive others. Why? Because forgiven people forgive other people. And I know this is difficult for you. Why? Because it was difficult for Peter. Peter's like, really? Like how many times? Are you serious right now? We should forgive people over and over? Like I don't understand how this would work. And Jesus' response is basically, as often as I forgive you. Here's why this is huge for us. When you're withholding forgiveness from others, the truth is you are choosing to literally dwell within that situation. And the irony of this is just like the unforgiving servant, as he's choking the life out of somebody else, guess what? He's really choking himself. He's gasping for air and he doesn't even know it. And I think some of you are there today. When you're holding others to a standard of perfection, then you're setting a bar that nobody, not even you, can possibly attain. But forgiven people realize that they're not perfect, so guess what? They don't hold others to a standard of perfection either. Instead, we see everybody in light of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And I know that we understand that, and maybe some of you are hearing this for the first time. This is true, and this comes out of God's word. Some of you have been in church long enough that you're like, yeah, I've heard the whole forgiveness bit before, Pastor Rusty. But wouldn't you just say that it's, sometimes we can understand this, but it's a whole lot harder to do it than it is to understand it. It's easy to talk about forgiveness, but it's very difficult to forgive. This is one of the most countercultural things about following Christ. Forgiveness means giving freedom, letting go of wrongs. And just to clarify, this is not saying that we excuse or deny that a wrong has even happened. The same theologian, Lewis Meads, that we referenced earlier says this. Listen to this, this is so good. When we forgive evil, we do not excuse it, we do not tolerate it, we do not smother it. We look evil full in the face. Call it what it is. Let its horror shock and stun and enrage us, and only then do we forgive it. Church, some of you have been through things that I can't even really begin to imagine. Some of you have been through things that are really unexplainable, hurts that you can't even begin to unpack, and it would be inexcusable for me to try to ask you to just accept those kinds of actions. It's not what I'm asking you to do, but what I am asking you to do is this. What the Bible is asking us to consider is this. We can call sin what it is. We can face it. We can see it for what it is. We can protect ourselves and respond in appropriate ways that protect ourselves. But what we cannot and must not do is harbor bitterness, anger, and hatred toward others. Because at the end of the day, God's grace compels us to love the unlovable. Why? Because you're the unlovable. (laughs) Because we're the unlovable. And Jesus loves us. Ultimately, this is all about God's amazing grace. When we have received this grace, we are free to share that grace with others. So we come to a place here where we have been every single week of this series where you might be thinking right now, I thought this was a message about prayer. and I'm gonna tell you again that it is. What does prayer have to do with forgiveness? Everything. Why do you think both times that Jesus teaches on prayer, he's like, hey, every time you talk to me, you probably should ask me to help you forgive people. The only way we're going to be able to walk in forgiveness, the only way we can understand daily how forgiven we are through the gospel, the only way we can apply that gospel to our hearts in such a way that it runs out into everything we do, the only way we can be forgiven and walk in forgiveness is to call out for Jesus and say, help me, help me with this. Without prayer, this is hopeless but with prayer, forgiveness literally has the power to change your life and the power to change others. My prayer today is that you would be free, free to accept and cling to the forgiveness of your sin, free to forgive others today. I asked you earlier, if you're gasping for spiritual air, some of you are struggling to even breathe spiritually in this place today. And you might think you're choking someone else. You may think that you're bitter because of someone else. But the truth is today, you're the one who can't breathe. You're the one who's struggling today. And the call of scripture is to let go. Radical forgiveness is available by God's amazing grace. And the call is for us to receive it, share it, and live it. Forgiveness could literally change your life today if you would let it. What did we say earlier? Forgiveness isn't an issue, some of you need to deal with. Forgiveness is a lifestyle that we need to ask Jesus to help weave into our everyday rhythm of life. If we're going to do that, though, you definitely need his help, and I do too. Let's ask him to do that right now. Jesus, we just want to humbly admit that, that without your help, this is a lost cause. A good sermon an okay sermon, a great book, a great quote. These are all well and good and we're thankful for the truths that you've given to so many people to help us. Lord, ultimately we know that forgiveness will not happen apart from your help in our lives. So Lord, would you please help us? God, I pray for those in here today who have never experienced the forgiveness that comes through salvation. If there's people who need to get saved, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray for my friends. So many I know who today would say they just struggle with forgiveness. Lord, I pray for freedom all around this room today. That as we sing this gospel song, they would be reminded of the great forgiveness that we have and that they would be compelled to share that forgiveness with others. God, I thank you for hard messages like this, but I thank you for your grace. Help us to breathe it in and breathe it out and share it with everyone we encounter.